Welcome to the Eat Local CNY podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Tringale, and my guest this week is the owner of Cafe Kubal right here in Syracuse, New York, Matt Goddard. Well, I really hope that you enjoy this conversation I had with Matt. I had a great time sitting down and talking with him, and I actually talk to Matt almost every single day of the week. Why? Because I work for him. That's right, in case you didn't know it. My nine-to-five job is Cafe Kubal. And it's pretty interesting to be able to sit down across from my boss and have this conversation with him on, on the podcast and ask him some questions that, uh, you know, I wanted to know about like his perspective on the coffee industry and things I may not ask him at the office uh, to be able to sit down and talk to him about it here. It was just really interesting. So I'm glad that I had the opportunity to have Matt down as a guest on the episode. It's still 2019, but in my head, this is our first podcast of uh, 2020. And I say that because one thing I'm going to switch up with the podcast, not every single month, but for some of them, is we're going to do themed months around here for the podcast. And so uh, what I mean by that is, for example, the month of January is going to be all coffee roasters, all local coffee roasters here in central New York. We're going to have a different one on each and every single week for each of the new episodes here on the Eat Local CMY podcast. And Matt's the one that's kicking us off. So while it is still 2019, depending on when you're listening to this, it's technically the first episode of 2020. And Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year. It's 2020. Again, this all depends on when you listen to this. Um, But yeah, I'm really excited to kick off this new year with uh, some great new episodes of the podcast coming out. And we're going to have a bunch of new content coming out every single week this year. So make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast, whatever platform you're listening to this on, hit that subscribe button, and then do me a huge favor. This is the currency of podcasting. Leave us a review to let me know what you think of the Eat Local CNY podcast. And that's it. That's all I got to say. Without further ado, here is my conversation with Matt Goddard. So we're sitting here with Matt Goddard, the owner of Cafe Kubal. Oh, Hello. how you doing, Anthony? Good. And most of the people that follow on Instagram, because like I'll say it and stuff like that and some of the stories, but uh, full disclosure, I work for Cafe Kubal. <laughs> so I don't know if you knew that. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> but they say that I should get to know my employees better. So <laughs> it's good to know that. What was your name again? <laughs> Um, yeah, so, uh, you know, Cafe Kubal is the oldest, well, I don't know about Hyman Smith and that kind of stuff. I don't know about the, those ones or like kind, which is right up the street, but I mean, you've been in business for 15 years. Yes. Yeah. I wouldn't, we are, we're not exactly the oldest, but I feel like we were one of the initial movers and shakers that kind of stirred up the, the coffee industry yeah. in Syracuse. Um, Back in the day, you know, there were not a lot of people uh, doing what we do. So Right. Yeah, you started um, after a trip that you took to South America. Is that correct? Yeah, well, Central America. Central America. Yeah. Yep. So you go there and um, you had visited a coffee farm? Or? Right. Okay. And then you just kind of got the bug for it? I just thought it was something I really wanted to do and just started, you know, looking at YouTube on how to roast coffee and... <laughs> 
just learning every single thing that I could about coffee, yeah. you know, buying books and going to trade shows, visiting a lot of other coffee shops in other cities and just seeing what they were doing. Yeah. And it was just, a, it became a passion of mine real quickly. And I just, I was, I couldn't wait to quit my job and do it full time. <laughs> what were you doing at the time? I was working at John Deere as a parts room attendant. Oh, really? <laughs> doing it in logistics and coordinating trucking and stuff like that. Oh, that's cool. It wasn't very fun. It was a jobby, <laughs> it was just a jobby job, you know, yeah. paycheck. Um, but I'm glad that I made the switch because... I could see that at the time I could see the the, the, the rust belt apocalypse coming, you know. And yeah. now that uh, warehouse where I worked is now closed. Oh really? It is. Yeah. So I'm glad I made a switch or else I'd be panhandling on the side of the street. So. <laughs> um, what when you were like around the time you started, were you thinking of like being an entrepreneur or starting a business or like, do you already have that kind of mindset? And then coffee, like you wound up discovering coffee? I didn't, you know, I did a few things kind of messing around here and there with, with coffee, but I really never, <clears throat> it was more just I wanted to do coffee hmm. than be an entrepreneur. Yeah. You know, um, I, I was passionate about coffee, hmm. you know, and I, I think I had to learn how to be an entrepreneur. Yeah. Um, and on top of being a roaster and a barista, I mean, that's great and fun. You can do, you can make good coffee, but if you can't pay the bills, you can't do it that long, you know. <laughs> and you started, I mean, I obviously know this, you know, uh, parts of the story, but you started roasting in your parents' basement and kind of yes. selling to like friends and family. Yeah, selling it online. I had two coffee houses, buying it mm. um, and selling it out of the trunk of my car quite yeah. literally, and just anybody and everybody that I could get the coffee to, mm -hmm. I did. I did every farmer's market in Syracuse at mm -hmm. the time, all of them, yeah. um, and just did a whole bunch of mm -hmm. putting myself out there things to try to, <laughs> <laughs> try to get the beans out there and get people trying it. Yeah. What was the climate like for coffee back then in Syracuse? I mean, were people, did they kind of already like get it a little bit or were they just like you know what is no. what are you talking about <laughs> no they had no idea they said why don't you why don't you buy it already roasted you know <laughs> isn't that like a lot more work you know or or the, the famous question is is that your grinder instead of roaster and like interchange the two just so no yeah it's not so when i first opened up eastwood i put the roaster right in front of the window hmm. had all these uh pleasant smells of the roasting coffee wafting out into the streets <laughs> and everything and it really was an odd kind of location because it was mm. sort of a blue collar neighborhood yeah. a lot of the residents um, were tradesmen and just working class just mm. what is this fancy coffee stuff and why do you you know charge so much for it but <laughs> i was confident that if i could just explain it and get people to try it, then they would see the difference and understand why it's mm. better than going through, you know, whatever big box chain yeah. was around at the time. Not and 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 better than making Folgers at home or whatever, and just and doing doing coffee in a different way. Yeah, I mean, you had to have been one of the first, like, I guess what I'm sure third wave that terminology was existed back then, but you had to be one of the first ones doing that here. Here in Syracuse, yes. And nationally, kind of yes too. Yeah. I think the the third wave really started early two thousands. Okay. 
So we were in the beginning stages of it. Yeah. So were you pulling a lot of like inspiration from, I mean, I know you said you were like reading books and watching mm -hmm. YouTube. Was that kind of like your inspiration in the beginning? Because that had to be tough to be like the only person really doing this uh, at that time in the area. Yeah, in the area, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's amazing. But um, you know, there I had I did have some friends that I made through coffee okay. and other people that were doing it similarly that I that I got to know that were not local in Syracuse, but mm -hmm. went to all of the same trade shows, and we started uh, an online forum where we just knowledge share with other people oh, that are cool. kind of pioneering the coffee industry in their mm -hmm. respective hometowns and things like that. So um, there were. It's, the internet did exist back then. I know it's such a long time ago, but actually, you know, it was right after Al Gore invented it. I know. Um, so. <laughs> I was thinking when you were saying you were going on YouTube, I'm thinking like, how many, like, did coffee? they have YouTube then? <laughs> how many coffee channels existed back then? I mean, now everybody has a YouTube channel, you know, but. Right. It was less, yeah. but yeah. still some, right. you know, so. You know, Cafe Vivace in Seattle and okay. Intelligentsia in Chicago all existed mm -hmm. in 2004. So yeah, is that kind of like the mecca for coffee? Is the West Coast? Um, I think a lot came from there, mm -hmm. um, and I think if you really want to go back really far, the coffee mecca would be Ethiopia, where coffee was first harvested. <laughs> yeah, but coffee's interesting like that. I it guess can, it can it can infuse itself. <laughs> into a culture and it has infused itself into many cultures and it's become mm -hmm. you could say that the mecca for coffee would be Boston and during mm -hmm. the Revolutionary War where they started mm -hmm. the Boston would the Boston Tea Party a patriotic thing to do would be to drink coffee versus tea really um, huh. and then you can go back to the Dutch East India Trading Company mm -hmm. where the first uh, coffee beans were smuggled out of the Ottoman Empire. Hmm, that's wild. You know, and, and then into the Dutch East India Trading Company, and it, hmm. it broke down their global monopoly. But coffee has a way of being pervasive and infusing itself into uh, culture. Yeah. In any way, culture. I mean, why, why can't Syracuse be the mecca of coffee now? Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, it, it really does take... Um, somebody who's going to not just kind of look in the area and try and like compete with others in terms of like what they're doing but somebody who can kind of look past that and kind of look to what's bigger and grander and I mean mm -hmm. that's the case with you know really anything and it's really easy uh, even for me with this super easy to kind of look at others that are doing something like for me to look at Syracuse.com all the time and be like well alright how can I beat them but I get if that's like the bar then you know nobody's really going to go anywhere I always thought with with entrepreneurship and starting a business you're competing against yourself mm. you know you do have other businesses that are nipping at your heels and they're coming after you because not everybody thinks like that yeah and you have to you kind of have to play you know be defensive on certain things at, t at certain times but the biggest your daily routine really needs to revolve around how can I how can I make myself better? How can I make my company better? How can I make my product better my service better yeah. my customer experience better? Um, and that's just one of the tenets of our whole mission, yeah. what, we, what we do. Yeah. So today that you've got seven cafes, and um, you started in Eastwood with that first one. Right. And uh, how many years were you, were you there for, like, seven years? Right, before I opened my second shop. Yeah, I, right. I, I didn't open um, the second shop, Salina Street, until December of 2011. Okay. 
So I kind of sat pat, tried to save up money, figure out what the heck I was doing. It took me a long time to get a following. Yeah. You know, I, only, I had some following, but enough of a following where I could reliably pay my mortgage and feed my kids. Yeah. You know, it, it, was, it took a lot of doing a lot of hours. I would work very regularly from 5.30 in the morning till 7 or 8 at night, six days a week, yeah. and do the books on Sundays. Yeah. So it was really <laughs> rigorous, and I don't think if I had to do it all over again, I don't think I could. I don't think I have the. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Although maybe I know a little more, maybe right. I could yeah. compensate for my errors, but I don't. I don't know. Yeah. But it, it is kind of a weird um, uh, thing to be in because, like, in one regard, you look at it as like, well, I'm not a restaurant, so I don't really have to kind of do the same thing, but. Mm-hmm. Coffee is challenging for those hours because not only do you have to hit people when they're going to work, but especially back then, you know, 15 years ago, 10 years ago, I feel like the coffee house was more of kind of like a, even like a nighttime gathering place. Right. You know, I don't know how much of it is still like that, but I'm sure there's some that are. Um, Yeah, there was a coffee house initially that was, it sort of served as a little bit of my inspiration called Happy Endings, and that was in Syracuse downtown, currently where Funkin' Waffles is, it used to be right there. Oh, really? Um, Way back in the day, in high school, we would go and hang out there, Mm -hmm. they would have live music and open mics and Mm -hmm. different sorts of, you know, art going on there and on the walls and everything, but... Mm -hmm. I didn't want to be out at night because I had already been, <laughs> yeah, right. been in the restaurant business in one way, shape, or form since I was 15, you know, 16 mm. years old washing dishes, mm. you know, but I knew that it was kind of a racket and I wanted to get, I wanted to stay away from the nighttime, you know, yeah. situation where, you know, I had, had kids and also, you know, I didn't want to, I wanted to be home at night versus mm. out at night and uh, I think being in the cafe business going early morning during daytime and that that's that was a newer type of model um fast casual concepts were really picking up a lot of steam then yeah so it worked out hmm. it worked out okay yeah what do you think caused the you know i'm just like what do you think caused the shift in like in the typical coffee shop from that kind of place where you would gather more at nighttime because most coffee shops around here close at like six or seven o'clock. At like the latest, they're open till seven. Right. Um, and it just doesn't seem like the same. You know, back in the day, you'd right. find an open mic or a poetry reading or whatever happening in you know coffee shops, and now you don't really see that anymore. Right. I think um, there are different vehicles for art now, mm-hmm. where they don't have to be. Uh, at least in Syracuse, I see different, mm. well, like this Delvin Center right here. Yeah. And different, like, hmm. uh, methods of for art to get out there. Yeah. Um, that didn't have to rely on, like, the, you know, yeah. the, the whatever Bohemian coffee house <laughs> where, like, nine people come at, at night. You know, yeah. it's more efficient for them. So that kind of hmm. went away. And then the other shift hmm. was just the, the fast casual concept. The fast casual revolution and, and yeah. food service across America really was coming already. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I what I'm what we're doing is not um, earth shattering and completely new. We have mm-hmm. different versions of it mm-hmm. that make us extremely unique and different concepts, different mission, different training, different hospitality standards, and things like that. But in general, the fast casual is a movement across 
the yeah. whole country. Um, I think mm. for the cafe quick serve model, we did a lot to bring that widespread yeah. more, especially in the downtown locations where people mm. need like a quick sandwich and a coffee for lunch. They don't. They only have time to stop at one place. Yeah. They have a thirty-minute break. They need to get back to their desk, or the boss is going to chew them out. <laughs> things like that. Yeah. Um, but we were beneficiaries of a couple of things: the move, the fast casual movement, the revitalization of downtown. But I think sometimes you just have to be at the right place at the right time. Yeah. Yeah, you have to kind of be available. You know, if you were. Uh, opening up Salina really kind of uh, probably put you on the rate of a lot of people's radar for okay well if he can handle two maybe he can handle three or four right you know and um, yeah that's pretty interesting yeah and people liked what we did um, I was able to benefit from just the model of our business yeah uh, we are we were initially still are a, an amenity to the day brothers uh, apartment building yeah where it's an it's attractive for um, their apartment tenants yeah. to rent from a place that has a cool coffee shop on the ground floor right you know, with yeah the friends you know kind of thing yeah and it's in a it, not only that but it is also in a great position downtown for businesses because um, and you can talk a little bit about it, but especially I think now, hopefully it's kind of ending, but I feel like now um, people are seeing like that, like a space in an apartment building mm -hmm. and thinking, oh my God, I'm going to make millions of dollars. I've got, you know, a hundred people right upstairs are going to come down here, have breakfast, <laughs> lunch, and dinner and buy my food. <laughs> but that's not the case. No, yeah. it's not, not fully the case. Um, but it activates the building. Yeah. You know, hmm. you, and it decreases crime. Yeah. Um, to have an occupied storefront versus a boarded up one. Yeah, that happened with you in that Salina corner. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it certainly did. It changed the landscape of that whole corner. And now um, additional, like the Red House came after us. Yeah. And now, and then the smoke shop across the street went out across hmm. Jefferson, and that's being revitalized. That whole yeah. project is going forward as well. Um, so it's, uh, it's interesting to see shifts, you know, we don't, we don't really want to kick people out of where they're used to going, mm -hmm. but we welcome in all sorts of people as long as they're non-disruptive in the cafe. We, we have people that have been standing on the street corner since before we're open who are still standing on the street corner that are yeah, <laughs> right. fine. And we, we welcome them in along with everybody else. Yeah. Um, as long as they're not disruptive, like I said, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we do have a good staff, or I should say you do for this podcast. You have a great <laughs> staff, Matt. Um, You're part of the team. <laughs> You're part of the team. Um, but, you know, who aren't immediately dismissive of somebody coming in who just kind of needs a break. You know, so, like, you know, there's been times. We have to be very deliberate in telling people yeah. that if you're there, you know, you know, Joe Barista from Fayetteville and they've never been downtown before, mm -hmm. they, yeah. <laughs> they're in for an eye opening experience because it's. Yeah, probably one of the weirdest things I've ever seen was we had a customer come in and it really didn't surprise me that much, but mm. he just had like a live iguana right on top of his head and coming in <laughs> and just saying, hey, can I get a pour over? And just, just, why not? Yeah. <laughs> He's just like, look at That's pretty funny. You see it all. <laughs> um, do you ever wish that you um, 
didn't open seven cafes? Do you ever wish that you still were just like at James Street? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Sometimes I wish I never had kids. <laughs> sometimes I wish uh, a lot of things. Sometimes yeah. I wish Syracuse was warmer. Yeah. Sometimes I sometimes I wish the New York Giants had a winning record. Yeah. Uh, so, but <laughs> yeah. But you know, it is what it is. I have seven, and there's no going back. I I do think, though, um, you know, different. It it. I see myself in the future with just different passion projects mm. that are not necessarily the exact same business model yeah. um, as my f- just open another shop. Right. You know, not that the shops aren't interesting. They're extremely great. I love all the shops that I own and love going to them, love seeing people mm-hmm. made happy and awake. And, yeah. you know, the, I love to watch the interaction of people um, meeting and you know, neighbors not seeing each other for years and then seeing right. each other again in the cafe and how that brings people together. But sometimes I do wish it was just me and my t-shirt and my roaster <laughs> and just doing that. But um, yeah. also I'm realistic and know that um, my kids have to, you know, <laughs> have, they always want like, you know, new Jordans yeah. or whatever. And just, they're going <laughs> so to school, so they're going to college. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, so you got to bring home the bacon, so... Um, it's a lot more work to have, you know, stress to have more cafes, but in some ways it's an opportunity for, mm. for me to watch other people grow in the company. Yeah. And I think that's also a beautiful thing. So, um, in that respect, the nostalgia sake, I'd say yes and no. Yeah. But it, because of that, I have the cafes open now, it has allowed me to open my most recent project, which yeah. is now just barely open or grand opening is actually not occurred yet yeah so. right and yeah. that's the kubal co-works yeah yeah it's um uh yeah so co- i mean co-working space is really important i mean that's where it, it you know like we i was at uh syracuse co-works what two three years ago mm-hmm. and um it's amazing just what being able to have a space like have it something that you pay for that you go to mm-hmm. as somebody who's starting out really kind of gives you um makes you feel like a little more credible and right so it can really help somebody start start and get you know their business taking mm-hmm. off by having a space like that so um for co-works it's right above the main office right right it's uh it's right above the roasting plant and the way i arranged it i kind of well you, i'm not i'm not saying this for your benefit because you know right. you, yeah. you know where your own <laughs> office is <laughs> although you spend a lot more more time at other people's desks yeah, than no. your own <laughs> but it does it i put my own staff kind of right adjacent to the mm-hmm. co-working space because i'm trying to extrapolate our company culture mm-hmm. in parlay that for the for other people's benefits so they can learn from it, mm. from our established culture and how we roll as a, as a company. We sit at our morning coffee meetings. Yeah. You know, that's the, that's the, the thing that I go to. So what we're trying to do is to create an environment that, like you said, will help people get off the ground and be more mm. credible and established. But then, but not just for the shiny lights, right. but like for real and mm. work on their inside inside of themselves mm-hmm. as blossoming blossoming art entrepreneurs and what what they can do to better themselves by being around other people that have the same 
drive and passion as they do. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, it's a really cool space. I mean, we're having an open house. Um, uh, went next. Well, actually, this podcast is coming out the first week in January. You're going to be the first episode of the new year. Yeah, well, our grand opening will be the ninth. Yeah, okay, January ninth. And um, yeah, I mean, for people who are listening who are interested, uh, so mom and mamaw, come on. No, I'm just kidding. Um, uh, <laughs> Uh, but for those of you that are interested in listening, come on down and check it out. It really is uh, very different than a typical co-working space. Feels like a living room around there. You know, it's just a lot more comfortable yeah. and but still able to get work done. So yes, you can. Yeah, um, yeah. So come on down and check that out. Um, so do you see yourself like more doing stuff like that kind of in the future than necessarily? Yeah, not even necessarily another co-works, but just yeah. like a. If I get a big idea, how can I do it? Right. And I'll probably infuse some Kubal in there and whatever it is. Yeah. Like a bed and breakfast or something like that. That's cool. Yeah. Over in Eastwood. <laughs> Eastwood. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, you know, Eat Local CMY is still nothing. So I, I'd like to say things like that before I make this next statement so I don't seem like Still a tool. Still nothing? In other words, like, they're Let's really... Sell yourself short, man. Well, I mean... You've got a good thing going here. Yeah, but I'd like to always think that it's nothing so that way I don't ever think that I've arrived or done anything significant. You do what you gotta do. Yeah. Um, but I do know that, like, I couldn't just stop doing Eat Local CMY today if I wanted to. You know, like, there's still, like, there's collateral damage from that, you know, like... I have clients I'd have to, you know, go help them find mm -hmm. somebody else to do their marketing and, you know, yada, 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 right? Was there ever a point when you, were st when you had started Kubal that you kind of had that same feeling like, all right, the ship has sailed. I can't just call it quits now if I wanted to do something else. Oh, yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, and there, are, there's de there are definite times where, you know, your, my enthusiasm has wavered. Yeah. Um... You know, and, and sometimes you have to make major life changes in order to reinvigorate yourself mm -hmm. uh, or just change your habits or do something, go to a trade show, just mm. take a break or whatever, you know, take a step back and look at it from big picture. Yeah. Um, I think there are a lot of things you definitely have to do to, or that I've had to do yeah. uh, throughout the years. seems like every... You know, you have little moments of like, yeah, I feel trapped in this. Now I have no choice but to do this because <laughs> I probably can't hold down a real job now because <laughs> I'm used to being the boss. <laughs> I'm used to doing yeah. math stuff instead of anybody else's stuff. So I, I, I think it might be uh, better for me to stay doing it. <laughs> yeah, that would suck. That would totally suck. Yeah, 15 yeah. years of being your own boss then having to go back. To what do you mean I'm late? You're, what do you? <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. You're fired. No, wait. Oh, wait. I can't do that anymore. <laughs> so what do you see as, if you had to like take a stab, is kind of my last question. If you had to take a stab and in the dark, at, what do you think is the future of the coffee industry in our area? Mm -hmm. what, would you, what would you think that is? I think that um, the future of the coffee industry is going to be more people, um, more knowledgeable about coffee, mm -hmm. more and more so, um, and being able to uh, have 
really good micro roasted fresh mm. third wave coffee more a lot more widespread than it is right now okay um you know there the the market share in the coffee industry for our specific niche mm -hmm. in terms of percentage of cups of coffee consumed per capita per day yeah. is about four and a half percent right now. Wow. So I see that as such a widespread opportunity to mm. share the knowledge and benefit and taste of good coffee. Not only is it better tasting, it's better for you. There are fewer uh, pesticides, et cetera, in the coffee that, that yeah. uh, your local roaster will have versus a big box you know, hmm. soil exhausted, har you know, harvest right. coffee and things like that. Hmm. So I see that as just becoming more and more popular. It's, this is only the beginning. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Well, Matt, thanks so much for coming down and taking time to be on the podcast. Of course. Thanks for having me on. Well, there it is, everybody. I really hope you enjoyed this week's episode. A little bit of a shorter one for you. Uh, but yeah, don't forget this month is coffee roasters month. So really excited, uh, to put out some of these other conversations that I've had. And I was so happy to get this one out that I had with Matt. Um, again, do me a favor, hit that subscribe button, leave us a review. If you ever want to see the video version of the podcast, we record them and put them up on YouTube and put clips up on Instagram. So make sure you're following eat local CMY over on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, YouTube, TikTok, LinkedIn, everything's at Eat Local CNY. You can find us online at eatlocalcny.com. Uh, make sure you follow us because we are putting out a whole bunch of events every single month. Uh, so make sure that you're staying up to date on where we're going to be and what we're going to be doing. And a special thank you to the band, actually, my cousin. That's right, Micah Peterson, band Second Son, for providing our music for today's episode. And you can find the band Second Son on Bandcamp. Just head over to Bandcamp.com. That's B-A-N-D-C-A-M-P.com. And search for Second Son and the Rain Dogs. And a special thank you to Second Son and the Rain Dogs for providing the music for the podcast. That's it, everybody. I will catch you at the next episode.
lonely soul, hoping that they find some. 